0: We're going to ask the Lord to speak this today. Lord, I just thank you for... Your word. It is life giving. It is life changing. I just thank you that you said Matthew thirteen and sixteen that we would have ears to hear. John twelve forty, we would have hearts to understand. And Lord that in First Timothy four one that you're speaking clearly, God, in these last days. And I just confess, Deuteronomy four ten, that you've gathered people together so that we can hear from heaven. And as we do, Lord, I know that we are changed. Speak to every one of us today. Give us wisdom and understanding, and let us see more of your grace. In Jesus' name. And if you agree, would you say amen? amen. You are in control of the grow. And we've, we've launched into a theme this year, a new series. And it's all on growing in the Lord. It's, it's about us growing as a family. It's about me growing as a dad, me growing as a husband, me growing as a man of God. And as I begin to grow, I know the Lord will also, uh, in return, use that to help our congregation grow. I can't expect the church to grow if my family's not growing spiritually. And so there's some great benefits and rewards to this journey. We are on a journey of faith. How many know the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight? And so it's a walk, it's a walk of faith, it's a journey of faith. How many know faith is a journey? So it's, it's a journey that we're on, and we're asking the Lord to help us. But we, we, we believe that God has a part to play in this, but we also believe that we have a part. I am in control of how far I go in the things of God. So let's just read our text real quick, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to jump in. Some of this is going to be reviewed from last week, but we've got some really good material to get into today. How many of you have been participating in our 21 days of praying and fasting and reading the Word? And I've already seen results uh, in my life, I was joking with my wife this morning, my pants were a little hard to get on. I said, I'm going to have to fast more next week, <laughs> praise the Lord. And you know, that's not a benefit that we should seek during our time of prayer and fasting. But I appreciate you going on that journey with us. It's, it's Brooke's fault. She made some really good cookies the other day. So I think it's your fault that I couldn't get my pants buttoned. But uh, we're, we're really enjoying the journey that God is taking us on. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13. It says, "...until we all attain the unity of the faith." Have you noticed in the news that we haven't attained the unity of the faith? Have you noticed, among other churches, that we have not attained the unity of the faith, so we still have work to do? And the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. Now, in the the original Greek language that the New Testament was written in, that word mature is the word teleos, and it means perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In your walk with God, the Lord wants to bring you to a place where you are perfect and complete and mature, lacking nothing. This is God's design. It says to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Christ is is has a fullness about him, but we have a lot of Christians walking around empty. We have a lot of believers walking around and they're empty. And God says, "I want you to walk and expand in my fullness." Look at verse 14. As we grow and mature, as a result, we will no longer be children. We will no longer be children. But the Bible says here that we won't be tossed by every wind of doctrine, in every way, by the trickery of men, craftiness, deceitfulness. Hey, you know, there's some goofy stuff out there. There's some goofy teaching out there. There's some strange doctrines out there that are made to lure you in and get you off the path. And as we grow up in the things of God, we will not be shifted like a. I see just like a, a flag blowing in the wind. If if the fad is this way, we blow this way. If if the fad is this way, we blow this way. God wants us balanced and right in the middle and grounded in His Word. Too many Christians get off the path. Too many followers of Christ get get distracted by things. And the Bible says that that as we grow up, we will not be deceived. Now look at verse 15. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into all aspects. Now I did a a study on that word all. I took it apart, looked at it every which way, up and down. Did a full Greek study on that word all. And you'll be surprised that it means all. All means all. We're to grow up in all aspects aspects of the lord now we did this last week and i think it really ministered to some folks so we're going to do it again why don't you look at the person on your left and just tell them you need to grow up you need to grow up some of you've been waiting a long time to do that <laughs> tell the person on your right now ah, you're okay <laughs> you need to grow up so god here's calling us notice this as we mature we're we're not we're not deceived by false doctrine. We, we're not deceived off the path. And it's God's design for us to grow up into Him. And we begin to give you some things concerning growing up. And I want you to look at this PowerPoint for life. This is so powerful. This helps everybody in the room. Look at this PowerPoint for life. Jazz, you'll see it on the next screen. Or Pastor Michael. It's, it's this right here. The only difference in your 2018 versus your 2017 will be the energy and effort you put in to your personal change and personal growth. Let me read it again. This is so profound. How many of you had an okay 17 but are really looking forward to 18? How many of you would be honest and say I had a terrible 17 and I'm really, I don't have to go up very far to have a better 18? I've been there. I, I know. We've got a lot of folks in the house like that. The only difference at the end of 2018... Versus the end of 2017 is the energy and effort that you put into your own personal spiritual growth and development. We won't turn there uh, for time's sake, but I'm going to give you a pattern here. Actually, we will because this helps us. Let's flip over to Acts chapter 2, and I do want you to see this here. This is profound. Remember the day of Pentecost when the Lord sent the Holy Spirit to indwell and infill His, his believers? And it's just this, the great birth of the church. Jesus has now went on to heaven and He's commissioned His church to be His hands and feet. And it says, those who received and were baptized that day were about 3,000 souls. We think we're a little crowded this morning, but we haven't added 3,000 in one day. This is amazing here. And so they are saved. They enter the kingdom of God. Do you remember when you gave your life to Christ? Do you remember when you surrendered to God calling you and knocking on the door of your heart? Do you remember? Maybe for some of you it was at a vacation Bible school. Maybe for some of you it was in a Sunday school class. Maybe for some of you it was in a crisis situation. You were older. Maybe you were 18 or 19 or maybe up in your 20s. Or maybe you were on up in your 40s or 50s and you finally surrendered to To the call of God on your life. But go back with me to that moment when you stepped into the kingdom of God. You stepped out of hell and into heaven. And if you've not made that decision yet, as Brother Rick said, we're going to give you a chance to do that later today. But as soon as they stepped into the kingdom of God, they continued in something. So I have a problem in modern day church. I have a problem with with uh, the way that church is done in America primarily and even around the world, and, and, and I'm guilty of it as well. But folks will give their life to Christ and then there's nothing else for them. There's no next steps. But that's not the pattern for, for the New Testament. They were born again, born into the kingdom of God. And then all of a sudden, they were put into a plan. And I think the horn is beeping at us. So, Everybody check your key fob. <laughs> Somebody's honking at us out there. I'm not done preaching yet. They're, they're ready for lunch. Is that my timer? Well, I'm gonna go on. I can out preach a horn. Amen. So they continued and devoted themselves. Notice this, they were on a plan. God put them on a trajectory to a plan. Oh. Oh wow. She's in kids quest. So <laughs> it's one of our kids' quest teachers. All right. Praise the Lord. How many? That's interesting. First time that's ever happened. It's like, Lord, is that you? <laughs> is that the rapture? <laughs> Could you have not have got a better horn for the rapture, Lord? <laughs> that was a little weak. But notice this here as we all get back on track, as I get back on track. Don't distract the preacher. I'm easily distracted enough. Notice this, that as they were born again, the next verse says they continued to devote themselves. As so soon as they were born again, they began to take steps to growing in God. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, that's doctrine, to learning God's word. They devoted to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. These are four godly guarantees to growth. We make growing in the Lord too complicated, we make growing in God too hard. If you will devote yourself to these four things, they were born again, 3,000 born again. And then instantly they're put on a growth track. Instantly they're put on a trajectory to begin to grow in the teachings of the apostles. That's God's work. They begin to fellowship, break bread together, and they devoted themselves to prayer. And so real quick, we're just going to look at what we talked about last week just to catch us up. Number one is the apostles' doctrine. This is mentioned first because it touches all the rest. You'll never have appropriate fellowship without appropriate teaching. You'll never have appropriate breaking of the bread together or prayer if you're not first devoted to the apostles' teaching. This is the Word of God. Let me encourage you ladies who are in the program. How many of you are here from out of town? How many of you are, are from, not from this area? Well, let me just encourage you. When you get out of the program, the first thing that I would encourage you to do is get in a good Bible-believing church. I have folks all the time come and they they want counseling or this or that or the other. My first question is, where are you in your church attendance? Where are you in devoting yourself to a church? Because the Word of God is so powerful and you must get in a good Bible-believing church. Get the Word of God in you and you get in the Word of God and, and it will absolutely change your life. Just a couple of scriptures here that... That I thought about Psalm 19. We don't have to look at it. But it says this. Psalm 19 says, God's words are more desirable than gold. How I many of you like gold? If I offered you a bar of gold or a Bible, which one are you going to take? I'm afraid many of us would take the gold and buy a Bible. That's what they said last week. They said, we'll take your money and then buy a Bible. And I said, you've ruined my example. But, but the Bible says, God's words are more valuable than gold. But yet we throw Bibles around. Bibles are on every table. We have on every app, on every tablet. In America, friends, because we have an abundance of God's Word, we I'm afraid that many do not honor and give the Word of God the place that it holds. It says it's more desirable than fine gold, sweeter than honey. Verse 11 says this, Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And it says, in keeping them, there's a great reward. Why do we give ourselves to the apostles' teaching? Why do we come to church on Sundays and get in the Word of God on our own? As a church, we're going through a reading plan right now. I have my children reading the Bible together. We're going through books and verses because we believe that when the input of the Word of God will produce a changed life, the input of God's Word will produce a changed life. How do we do that? Sunday gatherings. Midweek Bible studies. Can I have an amen from all my midweek Bible study folks? During life groups, men's groups, women's groups. uh, Encouraging the spiritual disciplines. That's why we're fasting as a church and praying and reading God's word because this this is something the Lord has called us to. Weekly podcast. Every week, Bruce does a great job in our AV team and they put our podcast online to help you grow. I would encourage you this year to take advantage of that. Dive into that. Number two, is fellowship so we are devote ourselves to teaching to devote to teaching not casually but to devote to learning god's word number two is fellowship luke says they devoted it wasn't something that just you know happened here or there churches today we have fellowship dinners how many of you have ever had a fellowship dinner the the early church didn't have fellowship they they devoted to fellowship it's something that was meaningful to them and we said last week it's a participation in a common goal. It's a sharing life of Christ together. There's a social intimacy. Philemon chapter 1 says that our fellowship can be effective. So we can fellowship with one another in a way that you can't fellowship with those outside of the, the body of Christ. Uh, Proverbs eleven twenty five says, The generous will prosper, and he that refreshes others will be refreshed. Fellowship is you coming to church and refreshing me, and, and I come to church and I refresh you. Somebody may have to go get her little key fob. I think my son Tate is in the nursery, and he's probably pushing the button. <laughs> so, if Carrie, if you could fix that, that would really be great. Just light a match or something. So <laughs> Now, I want you to see this. This is, this is new from last week. Look at First John chapter 1. I want you to see this talking about fellowship. This is amazing. I believe the Lord gave me a nugget today, and, and this is incredible. We must all develop some level of fellowship. Hear my heart through the horn. Hear, listen, listen in between beeps, you know. Hear my heart. We, we must all develop fellowship on some level. No man or no woman succeeds as an island. Dear me, unhook the battery. Can somebody please just do something? Just push it down the hill. I don't care. Just do something. This is really spiritual. My notes are really spiritual. These are really good. I'm going to have to email everybody my notes. I, I can't even go on. I can't. We will go on. So, so what Satan tries to do, I've been preaching for 20 years, and this is the first time this has ever happened to me. It is. I know. Can, can we, can we, can, she's about to be excommunicated from the church. <laughs> I'll still come over for Sunday dinner, praise God, but you got to find another church. I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> I really got to get back on this note. Fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. fellowship. Thank you. So, so, so here's what I want you to see is the, f- the first thing that Satan attacks is our fellowship, our coming together. If, if Satan can separate us, if he can pull us and isolate us, he has a greater opportunity and a greater chance to, to, to get us off the path. I, I'm going to be honest here, and, and I'm going to take a risk, but how many of you, if you ever wavered in your walk with God, and I have, I've, I've been on this path, so I'll, I'll be the first one to raise my hand. How many of you have ever stumbled in your walk with God? If you've ever had a season where you were not involved in church and you were not walking with the Lord, it started because of broken fellowship, I would guarantee, in the church. Because if you ever watch the National Geographic channel, I love that channel. My wife doesn't care too much for it because she has a big heart for animals and all that. I'm like, get him, get him, chase him down and get it. Just something awesome about... You know, seeing nature and the way they eat and it's, you know, I'll spare you the details, but she turns her head and I'm DVRing it. You know, this is awesome. You know, it's just, it's just manly. It's just nature. But if you watch the, the way that what happens is they'll, you'll have this wolf pack and they'll be chasing, you know, goats or something. And what they try to do is they try to isolate They they can eat a giant buffalo. I saw a pack of wolves one time go after buffalo. And what they tried to do is isolate one buffalo because if they can separate it from the pack, if they can separate it from the pack, then, then they've got a better chance to devour it. If Satan can separate you from fellowship because you are shy, you're an introvert, you have enough family and friends. These are all lies that Satan tells to us. I want to give you a nugget here. The Lord has really dealt with me on this. If your joy is not complete, your fellowship is not complete. Christian fellowship. I have a bond with my brothers and sisters here. I have a bond with Jared that I cannot have with those outside of the world have a partnership, a social intimacy because of what God is doing in His life and what God is doing in my life and when we share that. Listen, if your joy is not complete, your fellowship is broken. If your joy, if you're just, if there's no joy in Jesus, if there's no joy in coming to church and being a part of the body, ladies and gentlemen, I say it very kindly, very compassionately, but your fellowship is broken. Let me prove it. 1 John 1 verse 3. We proclaim... To you, what we've actually seen and heard. That's a part of fellowship is sharing your testimony. I love when Teen Challenge does services and they share testimonies about what God is doing in their life. And it says, so that, we may have, so that you may have fellowship with us. I'm sharing, I'm giving my testimony so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father. And with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 4. This is what I'm talking about. Are you ready? We write these things so that you may fully share our joy. We write these things so that our joy may be complete. Meaning when I have fellowship with God, unbroken communion, and I let that translate into fellowship here in the church among believers, then I now walk in complete and full joy, if your joy is broken, your fellowship is broken, we need others to share this life with, that you've got to open up and let down the walls, and make yourself vulnerable to one another, and share with one another, you have to get involved on more than just the Sunday morning gathering, do you understand what I'm saying, when we push you to come to life group, it's not just so we have more people in life group, when we push you to serve in a ministry, it's not just because we need more people to serve in a ministry. We understand the fellowship that happens in these events, and these environments. And it's one of the apostles' doctrines. It's not really an option. Koinonia, partnering together, spiritual intimacy with the body is not optional. It's one of the four things that they continued in. And it gets equal weight. It's as equal as hearing the Word of God fellowshipping with one another isn't that good news let's give your neighbor a high five and say we're starting fellowship right now <laughs> starting fellowship i didn't say punch him in the head i said no. all right here we go number three new ground we're going to jump in for just a few minutes so there's four godly guarantees for growth remember there's great reward in growing in god there's great heartache that is spared by growing in god some of us have made decisions in this room that, man, if we could undo and unring that bell, we certainly would. I've got things in my life that I wish I could undo, but it's kind of like my kids when they double knot their shoes. There's no untying that thing. We've got to get the scissors out. <laughs> my son will tie his shoes in such a way I think I'm gonna have to get the chainsaw out to cut those shoes off. Just no getting it undone. It's you can't unring that bell. But there but what we can we can get wisdom today. Let me give you a word from the Lord if I can. I really sense it strong today. We can get wisdom today to help keep us from future troubles. There's nothing we can do about the past. There's nothing we can do to unring that bell. But we can get wisdom today to help keep us from future troubles and future problems. And it's getting on the growth track. You see, we're no longer going to be immature. We're no longer going to be tossed to and fro and up one down and down the next. Up one day and excited, and down and out the next. We're going to be steady. We're going to love God. We're going to grow in the things of God. We're going to make a difference for the Lord. Number three, the way we do that is breaking of bread. This should be everybody's favorite. We get to eat together. How many of you love food? Man, I love food. Well, Pastor, what are you talking about? Breaking of bread? This doesn't seem very spiritual. Oh, it is very spiritual. If you've ever had one of Susan's desserts, how I many? No oh, breaking of bread is very spiritual. And I want to share some things with you. I've got some revelation here that I really feel like the Lord showed me that I have never seen before. I've been preaching for almost 20 years, and I have never taught through this like this. So bu- buckle up. Listen, listen hard here. Listen clear because this is so interesting. So we see the Lord's Supper. We, we've heard of the Last Supper. That's the last meal that Jesus shared with his disciples before he went to the cross. It's called the Last Supper. we have seen the famous portrait where they're all at the table and... And that sort of thing, and and that's what we take as our communion meal. Because after they ate, you know, Jesus took the bread and he said, "This is my body, it's broken for you." And he took the cup and said, "This is my blood for the forgiveness of sins, represents my blood." So, so I want to divide this here. I look so hard in Scripture to try to divide this, and some of you that are more apt in, in this sort of thing can, can help me here. But, but it's almost as if these, these elements in this, this Lord's Supper and this Passover meal and the communion table, it, and you can read this in 1 Corinthians 11, it's, it's almost as if these are so intertwined that it's, it's really hard to separate them. Sometimes the Lord's Supper is talking about an actual meal that they shared together. Sometimes we, we know that they were just observing the communion elements. And, and so, which one is it, Pastor? It's yes and both. It, 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 so I'm not, I'm not quite ready to say next time we have communion, we're going to throw a potluck afterwards. But I'm telling you, I'm, I'm really close. But after seeing the way the Lord has just brought some of this out into me, because the breaking of bread is so important. I have the best memories as a child growing up uh, around my grandmother's table. It was amazing. She had this tiny little table and like 300 people around it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, can't we get a bigger table? And I asked her one day, I said, Grandma, I was a teenager, and I'm serious. There were just many, many people around a tiny little table. I mean, it was just, looking back, it was like, we really could have used a bigger table. And I asked my grandmother, I said, why? Why why do you have such a small table? She said, I like everybody to be close together. I mean, like Brother Rick said, we need to wear deodorant when we go to Grandma's house. Praise God. Some of my best memories that I have now as an adult are eating around my family's table, and breaking bread together. And, and I get to know many of you by eating together and sharing a meal. So this is so spiritual. I want to I help you here think about this in a different way. In our culture, food is everywhere. How many of you realize we have an abundance of food everywhere? I will stand in my cabinets, open the door and... Confess and complain that we have nothing to eat, and I'm standing at a pantry full of food. I don't have anything to eat that I desire that day. I don't have anything that I want to eat. Plenty of food. My kids will say, You know, I don't like that. And they've never even tried it. I don't know where they get that from. They must get that from their mother. Tell you what, they get it from their grandmother who used to go to this church because she doesn't go anymore because her car keeps beeping at us. Praise God. <laughs> but but we 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 have lost the the essence of a meal let me tell you about the hebrew people let me tell you about the hebrew folks they didn't just invite anybody over for a meal because that meal represented their life their labor and their love let me say it again ready that meal in the hebrew culture represented their life their labor in their love meaning they didn't just go down to the Piggly Wiggly and buy a pack of hot dogs and throw them in the oven and and, and they had to they had to work the ground they had to toil they had to labor they had to work for months and harvest, and now their blood and sweat and tears are represented on the food that is on the dinner table. In fact, food was sometimes scarce. And so if they invited you to a meal, they're saying, you are such a friend. You are, we're in such a covenant of love and friendship that I'm willing to deny potential food, future food for my family, and I'm going to share a meal with you. When I take you to a meal, think about this. And when I buy... Or, when you buy even better, praise God, you take me to a meal and you buy, which is wonderful, or I buy, which is wonderful i 'm giving you a part of my life. If you make ten dollars an hour and you spend twenty dollars on a meal, you do the math. I just gave you two hours of my life, but see we don 't think about we don 't think about food that way because we frankly are just addicted to the stuff and which is why it's good to do New Year's fasting and, and periodic fasting throughout the year just so nothing holds you. It's okay to have food, but don't let food have you. And so when I take you out to dinner, I don't even think, we are just, oh, I'll buy their dinner. I just gave you four hours of my life. My hard work paid for that food. My, my Some of you who are in construction, blood, sweat, and tears because you hit your thumb, you know, and you bled. and. Blood, sweat, and tears. So the, the meal really meant something. When you partake of a meal, listening to this, it's an extension of friendship. That's why I honor when my family cooks for me. We, when my family cooks for me, we clap for them. We really do at our house. We say, let's clap for it because we're honoring them. And it's teaching my kids to honor and value the meal. When we have dinner, I'm not condemning you if you do it different. When we have dinner at home, everybody sits at the dinner table. And even when they're done, they still sit at the dinner table until we are done because it's our family time because you get to know one another over a meal. Ava, how was your day? Noah, that's my son. How was your day? And I want something better than good. What would you do at school today? I learned. <laughs> learned. Well, you need to learn some more, you know. <laughs> I, want, I want more than one word answer when we're at the dinner table, right? Uh, because this is how you get to know one another. Now, let me, let me just bring this back, okay? So food represents life. Say life labor and love. So now let's take the meal that we have, breaking of bread together and let's translate that to the Lord's supper. Let's translate that to the communion table. Christ labor on the cross. He labored on the cross. He labored carrying his cross up to the hill. He labored on the whipping post. Christ love because he came to serve And then it's his life because it's a ransom for many. So we see Christ's labor, his love, and his life in the communion table and the breaking of bread together. There's an exchange that happens when you share a meal because you're extending friendship. Look how important this was to the early church. Let me show you this in Mark chapter 2. This is profound. What I'm about to show you will revolutionize your Christian life. Next time we have a potluck supper... It's not just, let's come together and have a potluck. This is intentional. It's one of the things that they devoted themselves to. Breaking of bread together. Sharing of the Lord's Supper together. Notice this here, how important it was to the early church. It happened that when Jesus was reclining at the table, notice He's relaxed. You ought to have a relaxed atmosphere when you're eating. Now, sometimes it's not appropriate. I understand that, but but the dinner time needs to be a a relaxed environment. My grandfather was one that didn't want anybody... Talking at the table, you know, he didn't want anybody laughing or cutting up. And you know, I got in trouble all the time because I was always like, he would, he would put pepper, Chad, he would put pepper on his, on his eggs to the point where he would start sneezing. And I just thought that was so funny. And I got sent to my room so many times because I would laugh at him sneezing and he would be embarrassed that he was sneezing. And, and, but notice here, Jesus is relaxed. So when we share meals together, we need to just relax and loosen up. Be, be be real with one another. Notice this here. I'm going to show you something the Lord showed me I've never seen before. We're we talking about Jesus. He was reclining at the table, reclining at the table in his house. Notice this here. And many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus. So what's the big deal? Jesus is having a meal with someone. What's the big deal? Notice this here. There were many of them, and they were following him. Go to the next verse. I want you to see this in verse 16. So the Pharisees, that's the hyper-religious crowd. That's the I'm better than you. I'm holier than you crowd. That's the leaders of the religious system of the day that hated Jesus. Look what they said. They said, they saw Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors. And they said to his disciples. Notice they didn't have the guts to say it to Jesus. They had to go to his disciples. If you've got a problem with me, you come and tell me. Amen? Amen? You don't have to go tell everybody else. We need to spew up, not around. You got a problem with your brother or sister, don't tell me. You tell them. You be a man. You be a woman and you go and tell them your problem. Notice this here. He he told the, the disciples, why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? They were ridiculing Jesus. Well, it's just a meal. Here's why. Because when you ate with someone, you were extending covenant. You were extending friendship. These were sinners and evil tax collectors. And Jesus was eating and drinking with them. Look at the next verse in verse 17. So after hearing this, Jesus said to them, You ready? Watch this now. It is not those who are healthy who need a physician. I did not come to those who are well I came to those who are sick. It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners. I'm going to shock you and revolutionize your Christian world right now. We're asking why are we not leading more people to the Lord? Why did I not lead anybody to Christ this year out on my job? Or why did I not lead anybody to Christ this year at my school? There is a, an element of confrontational evangelism that works. And God may lead you in that. That's where you randomly go up to a total stranger and begin to witness to them and share Christ with them. And the Lord has already prepared their heart. It's not that you're a great witnesser; It's God's been preparing their heart for months. And you just happen to be the one right there on their path when they're ready. And God uses you to lead them to the Lord. But notice this here. Are you ready for this? Jesus used the breaking of bread as evangelism. I've always wondered, why is breaking of bread one of the four fundamental things of the church? It's the New Testament church. It's listed. They continued in the apostles' teaching. Everybody understands that part. It's listed that they continued in fellowship. Everybody understands that part. And we understand the breaking of the bread as the Lord's supper and taking communion together. But why would it be why would it have equal weight in the Bible? Because Jesus used it for evangelism. He used it to reach people. And so now, I'm, I'm challenging the whole way that I've, I've thought about reaching people. I'm going to put somebody on my radar that's far away from God, and we're going to schedule a dinner with them. And we're going to have a meal, and we're going to break bread together. Because that's how you get to know one another. And walls come down, and it may take seven meals. But I'm going to lead somebody to Jesus this year just by having them over for a dinner. Well, they're a sinner and a tax collector. Well, that's who needs a doctor. It's not the righteous. I spend all my time eating with the righteous. But it's not the righteous who need a physician. It's the sick. This is so powerful. We won't take time to look at it. But write this down, Luke 24. I will look at verse 34, Pastor Michael. Remember the road to Emmaus? Jesus is walking and the the disciples are, are just devastated because Jesus has been crucified. And Jesus went on with them, and, and in verse 30 it says, Jesus reclined at their table, and remember they said, you know, it's getting evening, stay with us for just a little while, and they didn't recognize Jesus. Notice this here, Jesus reclined at the table, took the bread and blessed it, and then it says, their eyes were opened unto Him, and He vanished. Now look at, look at this right here, it says, Then their eyes were opened, and they said, the Lord has really risen, and He appeared to us, verse uh, 35 now, you're right, go to, go to verse 35, there we go. Notice this, they began to relate their experience. So Jesus is on the road to Emmaus after His resurrection. The disciples there didn't recognize Him. They invited this stranger to come in and have a meal. They ate together and as they were eating, Jesus was revealed to them during the dinner. He was not revealed when He was preaching to them. He was not revealed to them as He were talking and walking. He He was revealed to them as they were at the dinner table. Notice this. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how we recognized, how he was recognized by them by the breaking of bread. They saw Jesus. They understood. They got to know Jesus as they broke bread with him. How much can we get to know someone by breaking bread with them? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that powerful? So this year. How can we grow in all these areas? How can we grow in the apostles' teaching as we wrap this up? Get on a podcast. I encourage you every single week, get our podcast and listen to it. Get another podcast of another good minister and listen to it. Get in the Word for yourself. Read the Bible every day. How can you grow in the apostles' teaching this year? How can you grow in your fellowship? Maybe you're not involved in women's ministry, men's ministry. Maybe you're not involved in life group. Maybe you're not serving in any areas. Maybe you don't ever come to our fellowship events and and hangout nights and game nights. And what can you do to, to put yourself in an environment? Because you need fellowship. And then breaking of the bread. What if everybody in the room led one family to Christ this year and it started over the dinner table? Use breaking of the bread as an evangelistic tool. And I'll tell you something. I'll say this. Somebody remember I said this because I may forget, but I want it on record. I want it on recording. And I mean this with all my heart. If God puts a family on your heart and you don't have the finances to take them to dinner, I will personally make sure that you have the finances to take them to dinner. We want to invest in you. Matter of fact, we might even do that. We might even launch a campaign where we sponsor certain families to go out and find a family that you work with. This is what the Lord dealt with me on very clearly this morning. I've got to share this. I know it's getting late and time's ticking and we're holding our breath, the horn doesn't beep again. I mean, I understand we're all sitting on the edge of our seat. But I felt like the Lord really dealt with me this morning on something. Start with your family. Start with your family. Many of you have family who are out of church, dechurched away from God, and you don't see them, you're not around them. Maybe you send them once a year to family reunion, but you know they are not walking with God. How about you invite that family over for a meal and you just begin to share life with one another and let God use that as an evangelistic tool to reach people for his kingdom? Isn't that good news? How many of you ever saw breaking of bread as an evangelism? I never saw that. And it's so clear. That's how Jesus reached people and developed relationships with them. Last one, number four. We won't spend much time on this one because we talk a lot about it. And we'll pick back up on this on another day. but, But prayer. So we have the Apostles' Doctrine. The path of growth is fellowship. The path of growing in God is breaking of bread together. That's a path of growth because it encompasses evangelism. As we grow in God, we reach those around us, and we do it by breaking of bread together. And then prayer. John 8, 28, Jesus said, I don't do anything of my own initiative. I only do and I only speak the things that the Father has given me. And this is a slide here I want you to see, Pastor Michael. I think this is on there. Prayer is how we participate in the Lord's work. Prayer is how we participate in God's work. Now notice this part. American Christianity... Is, is, has made prayer more about asking when prayer is really more about seeking. Yes, ask. I'm not opposed to the ask. And we know the Bible says that God knows what we need before we even ask. But I want you to notice this here. Prayer is not so much about asking, but it is more about seeking. So the, the next screen is, that I want you to see as we wrap this up is this is how we learn to pray. Number one, we're taught how to pray. This is all through the Bible. We're taught to pray. This is one of the foundational elements of our growth, which includes worship. We're taught what to pray. We're taught where to pray. We're taught when to pray. And we're taught why. How? We pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus. We pray in faith. We pray out of that relationship with God, out of that covenant. What do we pray? We pray for the will of God to be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Where do we pray? We can pray at home and we can pray at church and we can pray on our jobs. And prayer's not limited to just a building. Isn't that good news? We can pray publicly. We can pray privately. We can pray alone. We can pray together. We can pray standing. We can pray sitting. We can pray kneeling. When do we pray? We should pray at all times. I would encourage you, don't get legalistic about it. But Daniel, and I believe it's Daniel chapter 6, He says, Daniel prayed three times a day. During this 21 days of prayer and fasting, I would encourage you, make it a habit to spend time in prayer in the morning, afternoon, and in the evening. This is how we grow together. And why do we pray? Because when we put faith in God, it pleases Him. It activates the supernatural in our life. It unlocks blessings in favor of the Lord. So we want to learn how and what and where and when and why to pray. Ladies and gentlemen, if we will put these things into our spiritual diet... We will be a balanced church. We'll be a balanced family. And we'll be a church of great impact. We'll be a people of destiny. We'll be a family of great impact. I don't know about you, but I want to make a difference for the Lord. I want to have a reward in heaven for all those that are reached because of the ministries and the labor that we do. And I'm not going to get off the track. I'm committed to growing. I'm committed to coming out stronger and better spiritually in 2018 than ever. And I'm not going to stop. Ava asked me, my sweet little daughter, she's 10, and this is really cute, she, she's fasting, uh, cleaning I think is what my daughter is fasting. I think my son knows fasting vegetables, very spiritual of him. He said, Dad, you know how much I love vegetables. I'm no, like, no. But Ava said, Dad, she had such a good heart. She said, Dad, she's 10, 10 and a half, going on 25. You understand what I'm talking about, parents? Pray for me, please, pray for me. She said, Dad, is it bad that I don't like fasting? Yes, how unspiritual are you, little daughter? (laughs) Dad, is it bad that I don't like fasting? I said, honey, nobody likes fasting. But we love what it produces in our life. We love the outcome of our fast. So we're growing together. Because I'm just determined that I'm not going to be a statistic. I'm going to make a difference for the Lord. Amen. Let's close our eyes.